Well, of course, because it's Father's Day, today I wanted to talk to you about the true man. The true man. Today's Father's Day, as I mentioned, and I would have preferred if fathers were given a month, as I mentioned, but we are here now, and I'm going to have to share a few biblical facts about fathers and men in general in just one sermon, one setting, okay? Therefore, of course, by the nature of it, some of it, considering today's culture and climate, may, may tend to be offensive to some. So I'm going to ask you to pace your anger again. But let's ask the question, what is a man? Because there seems to be no standard for being a man today. And we have to look to scriptures to see what that is. And a, ma a man is, in fact... An adult male. There is only a few things men do not have and cannot do. For instance, men do not have a womb and therefore they cannot have a baby. Then there are things men have that women don't, like the Y chromosome. But the question I'd like to also answer is what do men do for humanity? And as you can see, and you will see that this is very much, Alex, it's a little cold if you don't mind making one degree warmer here. As you can see, that in our culture, men oftentimes are trivialized. For instance, if you watch a Disney movie, you'll usually see that the father is the nerd, the father is the guy that's absent. So we want to answer the question, what do men do for and in humanity? Men are often viewed as being the problem in society. They are said to have what is referred to as toxic masculinity. Uh, compared to women, men commit far more crimes, by far the most crimes. They fill our prisons by a long shot. Men are most violent if you compare them to women. And this is one of the reasons the zeitgeist encourages men to be less masculine and more feminine. Zeitgeist, for those of you that don't know, is the English term zeit, means time. Geist means ghost, spirit, the spirit of our time. The spirit of this age. It is the voice of hell. It is the serpent speaking to this generation, the spirit of this age. And the zeitgeist would use, look at all the prisons are filled with men. Look at all the violent crimes committed by men. Look at all the criminals, uh, men. Therefore, what we need to do is we need to be less like men. And to be less like men, we have to be more like women. And one of the reasons I took my son out of elementary school, a public elementary school, is because every time I walk into the school, I felt like I was attending a, a 10-year-old little girl's birthday party. The zeitgeist basically preaches that in order to rehabilitate these boys 
Tell them to be more like their sisters. By now you have heard much being said about the patriarchy. The patriarchy is a system where the father or the oldest male is the head of the family. And our society has gone as far as demonizing the patriarchy to the point of vowing to pull it down and dismantle it, destroying the patriarchy altogether. So we conclude, therefore, that, and here's some conclusions, that men are not perfect. But they are, however, God's choice for many things. During the Old Covenant, they were called by God to be kings, from Saul to David to Solomon, all the way to King Jesus. Every one of them was a man. They were all called by God to be priests, with the likes of Aaron, Eli, Zadok, every single one of them priests, a man. In the same way, men under the new covenant are now called to be the priests of their homes. God hasn't changed that. Husbands, fathers are still the priests of their homes. God also called men to be mighty judges of Israel. If you read through the book of Judges, you'll come in contact with strong men like Samson who became weak and weak men like Gideon who became strong, but God called men to be judges with the exception of, and I hear you, Deborah. And when you understand, when you read it within context, you'll see that Deborah became a judge as a memorial expressing the shame of the men of her day. Spineless men wouldn't go to war unless she did. All the major prophets of the Old Testament were men. Isaiah, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Hosea, list them. Jesus called 12 men to be His disciples. The Apostle Paul established men as elders. It says elders have to be a husband of one wife. Every single early church father throughout history of Christianity. Men. I'm talking about the first century, second century church fathers. You see, men cannot be discounted. I know our society wants to. Our society wants to mute men, silence men, shut men up, sit down, you're a man. Sit down, you're a white man. Sit down, who do you think you are? Society wants to shut men up altogether. And they've done a pretty good job, don't you think? They've done a pretty good job. But remember now, men marry women. Men build families. Multiple, multiple families create communities. Multiple communities create society and therefore a nation on the back of men. Now today, you might go like, well, what about the women? We had Mother's Day. We're talking about men today. I can teach 15 hours straight on the necessity of mothers wives and women and how celebrated they are but don't let the zeitgeist tell you well you can't you can't celebrate them you can't celebrate them what about me it's like i can't celebrate somebody's birthday because other people also have birthdays you know <laughs> isn't that what's happened to society you can't even say good things about good people you can't even give honor where honor is due without somebody else goes well what about mine Men marry women. 
and they build families, create communities, societies, and therefore a nation and nations. Men build companies. Men build empires. Men make history. They always have. It has been said, quote, as the men go, so goes the nation. This is very true for us in this day and age. One of the evidences of the corruption of this world is feminism. Really pushed by a lot of old crusty men who have forgotten who God called them to be. But one of these evidences of this corrupt generation and world that we're in is the feminist movement that have empowered women to be men and demanded men to be more like women. These feminists have not only been able to elevate women to a place that men's supposed to have, but not only did they do that, they had to push men out of there in order to put women there. Think about this. <clears throat> in the garden, God looks at Eve, and God tells Eve, after she sinned, He says, you, and then he refers to pain in childbearing. That hasn't gone away. Yeah, but the curse has gone. No, do, do women give labor without pain? And then he says to her, he says to her also <laughs> that, and your desire will be for your husband. Your desire will be for him. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but he's not speaking about sexual appetite. Your desire will be for him, his position. Because you know he's not talking about sex, right? He's talking about position. And that's exactly what's happened in this world. That position God has commanded man to fill... Women now demand that they take that position, but that can only be done if, in fact, a man is removed from his position as designed by God. Men have been lowered and women have been elevated, and in this way, they have marred God's design. This is why the zeitgeist wants to see that happen. One of the reasons. He wants to see the image of God destroyed. Say it again. The zeitgeist, the spirit of this age, the serpent's whispering. He whispered in the garden, he's whispering today. The reason he wants to destroy God's order within male, female, husband, wife, mother, father. The reason he needs to distort that, man and woman, is because... God said, in my image will I create them. Male and female will I create them in my image. And if you destroy that, you are destroying God's image in the earth. The other reason why he will be very interested in destroying what God has placed in order is he's creating dysfunction within families. We, there's no secret of the fact that highest crime areas are also the areas with the highest amount of absentee fathers. That's no secret. That's an, that's an old fact. Nobody's even arguing it anymore. 
So as, as the Zeitgeist wants, we incentivize, incentivize that family unit. Family is now between those who love each other. Not a husband and a wife, a mother and a father. No, people who love each other. There's a man <clears throat> who wrote a book for children, which was one of the last times I went to go see my son's principal in his school before we took him out. It was a book by Harris. Could you shout the man's name? Kill Who? Neil Patrick Harris. Thank you. Of course, married to another man and they've adopted children. So he writes a book that became, um, that became their textbook or a book prescribed, prescribed reading for them. And in this book, Neil Patrick Harris basically redefines the family. And he says, family is consistent of who? Those who love you. And now the kids are sitting in school learning that, right? Well, why is the zeitgeist so bent on destroying the husband's role, his position in the family. He does that by elevating the woman and saying, you, they're trying to withhold something from you. Where have you heard him say this before? In the garden. Isn't that exactly what Eve was told by the snake? Well, God doesn't want you to eat from that because he doesn't want you, he's withholding from you stuff. He doesn't want you to be like him. If you eat, you'll be as he is. Same thing has been told today. Oh, yeah, you know what? He's just some, uh, you know, toxic masculinity. He's like, a, he, he hates women. And like, on the contrary, <laughs> on the contrary, no. God has an order. He's a God of order. And if you distort the order, you cause dysfunction everywhere. He has distorted the order, marred the very image of God in this world. People like Kilpatrick or Harris or whatever the guy's name. Neil Patrick Harris. Sorry. Did I throw the word kill in there? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but you know there's a last name, Kilpatrick, right? <clears throat> Honest mistake. <clears throat> but I love it. How funny it is. <laughs> so Satan is very, very strategic as to how he's going to destroy the man's position. He's going to go to Eve and he's going to tell us, somebody's trying to withhold you from something. You deserve that. <clears throat> when, in fa when in actual fact, men have been lowered and women have been elevated into that, into that way. And they have marred God's, designed, God's design, which is clearly stated in Scripture, which is God is the head of Christ. Scripture says Christ is the head of man. And it says that man is the head of woman. Talking about husbands. Look at it in 1 Corinthians 11.3. It says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is who? Christ. And the head of woman is who? Man. Her husband. And the head of Christ is who? God. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of his wife. So what is the de definition of a true man? What is the definition of a true man? I mean, really, we have to now, on Sundays, behind pulpits, we have to now argue chromosomes, and we have to argue body parts, and we have to argue the difference between gender and sex, and we have to argue these things because people buy into it. The amount of Christians that are currently on Facebook waving the flag, I cannot believe it. If I can just go unchristian, 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 fake Christian, fake Christian, fake Christian, unbeliever, 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 Unfortunately, you are your own God. You are the one that decides what's right and wrong, not God. Now, I can't do that. 
because all I'll have on my Facebook page is you. <laughs> Just destroying the image of God in this world. Destroying the order of God. And now look at what we have. <clears throat> but we have to go beyond those shallow things and we have to not just say, okay, well, a man is a male. You see, we have to ask, what is a true man? The profile of a true man. You see, the true man is more than just XY chromosome. The true man is more than just being male. The true man is more than just having certain body parts. The true man is the male who lives according to God's design for him. That's the true male. That's the true man. Let me say it again. The true man is the male who lives according to God's design for him. You cannot be a true man without first becoming a man of God. Because only when you are a man of God are you matching God's profile He designed for you. So here are four basic principles uh, by which one can define a true man. All right. I think it's very appropriate for today. And um, I think we, sh we should all celebrate the fact that God has designed men to be true men. Because when we all take our positions as God has given us, which is not necessarily one over the other in order to lord one over the other. No, it's what is my responsibility and what is your responsibility? That is what God was articulating when He put the structures together. When He put order together, He was handing out responsibilities. That's what He was doing. So let's talk about the four basic principles by which one can identify this true man. And the first one is a true man puts self on the altar. He puts self on the altar. In other words, he denies self. This is God's plan for a man. Put yourself on the altar. Deny self. Pick up your cross. Follow me. That cross is not something you wear around your neck. That cross is, in fact, the instrument of death. It is what they used to crucify people with. Jesus said to them, before He went to the cross, He said to His disciples, Now you pick up your cross. Deny yourself and follow me. Then you'll be my disciple. So a true man puts self on the altar. He puts himself on the cross. When it comes to family and close relationships, Scripture tells us something about this true man. It says in 1 Timothy 5 verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his own, let me just say this, providing for a family is selfless. Providing for your family, men, husbands, that is selfless of you. That is wonderful, that is honorable, that is commendable. We have such wonderful lives. Compare yourself to 100 years ago. We have such wonderful lives. We live in convenience. We are provided for. And that provision shouldn't be trivialized to all the men who actually provide for their household. God honors you. He says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially if he doesn't provide for his own family, he has denied the faith, he is worse than an unbeliever. Worse than the unbeliever. 
A true man puts self on the altar in order to provide. Now, that's when it comes to family. But when it comes to self, he also puts himself on the altar. And I'll just give you one example as to how he does. Because when it comes to gender issues, the gender issues our culture is facing today, a true man responds the very same way every single time as our brother Paul Washer famously mentioned, quote, Men, if ever you come in touch with your feminine side, crucify it. Simple as that. When you face any temptation of the sort, whether it be fornication, adultery, or any, or pornography, or anything like that, any sexual deviant sin, crucify yourself immediately. You crucify self. You say, ah, that's not... Yeah, flesh is screaming for something. That's what the temptation is. But you, like Joseph, say, how can I do this thing and sin against my God? No, I will crucify, deny self, crucify the flesh. So a true man puts self on the altar. Number two, a true man is unapologetically scriptural. He's unapologetically scriptural. Because he knows, unless he builds with Scripture, his labor is completely wasted. All of his efforts, down the drain. They count for nothing. He knows, unless he builds his life, his family, his ministry, his future with Scripture, he's building it on sand. Matthew 7, 24. Matthew 7, 24 says this. Therefore, everyone who, watch this, hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. He who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Have you ever, you heard the term non-practicing, right? We are starting to have non-practicing reformed people non-practicing evangelicals, non-practicing Christians, non-practicing Catholics. Have you, have you noticed? I mean, the, the, that is the most illogical statement. Imagine being an un, a non-practicing human. <laughs> Can't be that. Imagine being a non-practicing husband. You know what that is? That's a divorced man. <laughs> you can't be a non-practicing husband. You can't be a non-practicing male. No, you can't be a non-practicing anything, actually. Neither can, be a, can you be a non-practicing believer. Therefore, if anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. In other words, the non-practicing believer is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. 
That man who builds a family outside of Scripture will end, because of this prophecy, with great regret. A true man is the man who is unapologetically scriptural. I have to be, because otherwise nothing remains. Otherwise nothing matters. Here's the deception. You're going to try and build as many friendships you can outside of Scripture by using, you know, discretion and by using how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. And you're going to be just nice and kind and gentle and Christians love and, you know, all of that stuff. And we're going to try and build as many friends as we can. You don't have a friendship circle. (laughs) No, that all goes away. That all goes away. You build relationships within the framework of scriptures, and those are lasting, eternal relationships you build, starting off with your wife and then with your children. Number three, the true man pursues wisdom. Now, we've talked about, number one, the true man puts self on the altar. He denies self. He crucifies what needs to be crucified about self. Number two, a true man is unapologetically scriptural unapologetically scriptural. Number three, a true man pursues wisdom. He pursues wisdom. The opening chapters of the book of Proverbs are designed for the training of sons and therefore is the training camp to become men. This is where men are made. Consider uh, for a moment the emphasis of gaining wisdom from God, you know, that, that is placed upon men. This is the emphasis placed upon sons in order to become men is the wisdom of God because that's what the book of Proverbs is about. It's a book of wisdom. Proverbs 8 verse 1. My son, hear your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. Proverbs 2 verse 1 and 5. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for the insight and raise your voice for understanding for if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God Proverbs 3 verse 1 and 2 my son do not forget my teaching but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you Proverbs 4 verse 1 here's here O sons a father's instruction Proverbs 4 verse 20 My son, be attentive to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Proverbs 5 verse 1. My son, be attentive attentive to my wisdom and incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. Proverbs 6, verse 1, my son. Proverbs 6, verse 20, my son. Proverbs 7, verse 1, my son. Proverbs 8, verse 32, and now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Undeniably so. When God addresses young men and raises them to become men, He calls them to wisdom. That's why I'm saying the true man pursues wisdom. The true man makes wisdom 
a priority. We've got enough fools in this world. We need true men. True men who can deny self. True men who can pursue wisdom. Number four, a true man will act like one. I love this statement by, who is the president, a lady president of, of England, Britain, British, Matt, uh, Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher. Uh, Margaret Thatcher had the saying about leadership. She said, if you're a leader, being a leader, she said, is like being a lady. If you have to tell somebody you're one, then you're not, <laughs> right? But that's true, too. Being a man, you know, being a man is like being a lady. <laughs> if you have to tell somebody you're one, you're not one. <laughs> I am a man, I promise you. Really, I am. <laughs> a true man will act like one. That's how you know he's one. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 and 14. It says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. How? Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now, in that portion of Scripture, there is a whole entire four-week series. Let me throw at you just four things. Relax. We're going to be good for time. This verse clearly speaks to men. In no uncertain terms, it identifies men as watchmen. Here men are told to be watchful, be on guard, keep your eyes open, know what's going on. Don't be so naive, don't be a child, grow up. See things for what they are. Men are told to be watchful. They are watchful over their own hearts and over their own minds. Know when you are drifting, men. That's what makes you mature. It's when you no longer need a dad that says, hey, 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 stop, come here, come here, come here. It's when you can do that to yourself. Now you're growing up. They're watchful over their own hearts. They're watchful over their own minds. In other words, true men practice self-discipline. They are self-correctors. They're also the watchmen on the wall of their families, of society at large. The true man is consistently on watch, looking for what captures the hearts of his children. Always on watch to see what's capturing my child's mind right now. But not just their children, but also their wives. They're constantly on watch to see what captures their wife's mind or their wife's heart. You know why that's so important? What happened in the garden was, the question I have is, why was the serpent there? Who, who allowed the serpent in? Wasn't Adam in charge? Why was the serpent even talking to his wife? Did he just allow it? Evidently so. The true man is constantly on watch, looking for what captures the hearts and minds of his wife and his children. The man is constantly on watch 
to see what comes into his home. Men, husbands, do you know what's coming into your home? Do you know the voices that's within the four walls of your house? In this verse, we also see that men are told to stand firm in the faith, to stand firm in the faith. If you don't mind, watch that again. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. What is it saying? It's saying, in other words, do not move from what Scripture says. That's how you stand firm in the faith. I'm sorry, Scripture says I shouldn't do that. Yeah, but you'll enjoy it, I know. But it says not to. <laughs> do not move from what Scripture says. Stand firm. Do not move, but stand firm in the direction God has called you through Scriptures. In other words, you have a position that God's called you to. You are the priest in your home. Why are you moving? Do not move from your position given to you by God. Stand firm. Doesn't matter what culture says. You stand firm. A true man has the masculine virtue of standing firm, not moving. We also see that men are commanded to be strong. Which means men... Do not be weak. That's what that means. <laughs> Do not fold. Stop whining. Stop crying about everything. Be strong. Don't you become the nag. The Bible says women, wives shouldn't nag. But now, I guess we should add a verse in there. Men, stop nagging. <laughs> stop whining. Stop crying about everything. Do not fold. Do not quit. Do not be slack. Do not be slack. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Let me say that again. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Like anybody can stand. It's when the wind starts blowing, can you stay standing? That's the question. You can stand as long as everybody agrees with you. But when people start disagreeing with you, can you still stand? You can stand if the majority is on your side. But what if you're the only one? Can you still stand? That's the question. That's why it says in Proverbs 24.10, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Be strong in battles. Be strong in the face of the enemy. When it seems like your desire for the things of God is starting to wane, be strong. Correct yourself. Don't move. Read your Bible. I don't care how much you don't want to. Read it. Teach your kids. Train your kids. Worship with them. Pray. I don't care how much you don't want to and how little time you have. Do it. That is the only possible way to, end, to come to the end of life without any regrets. You know how it is? Man, this week I really was going to work out three times. But I only, I only got to not work out one time. <laughs> I didn't even work out one. Like, when do you regret when you didn't do something? You knew you should have done it, but you didn't do it because at the time you didn't feel like it. Do not move from your position given to you by God. Stand firm in it. You are the priest of your home. Then it says, well, let me just say this also in regards to strength. The man who is strong is the man who works hard to reduce, not produce evil in his family. Many of you come from families that are extremely dysfunctional. 
Now, uh, with a show of hands, how many, no, kidding. <laughs> many come from extremely dysfunctional families. I was thinking about it the other day, Mom. The amount of alcoholics on both sides, <laughs> not just one, both sides. As a matter of fact, I was born in a town called Randfontein. Randfontein. Say that three times fast without cussing. Randfontein. <laughs> and I read an account when I, we were studying alcoholism around the world. And, <laughs> and when it said the town with the highest percentage of alcohol, alcoholics within it, yeah, was Randfontein. My little town. It's a tiny little town. The highest percentage of alcohol, alcoholics within one town. Yeah. Divorces, almost rampant on both sides. But that's true for your families too. Every single one of you can talk about your families that are no longer together. And sometimes, and then your families that are still together and sometimes you wonder if they should be. <laughs> yes, they should. My point is just, God has called you to put a stake in the ground, husbands. God has put you to, called you to put a stake in the ground, men, and say, all of those curses, all of that dysfunction, all of that lack of order, where everybody's throwing God's order out of place so that dysfunction keeps happening, all of that stops with me. I'm the one that can be consistent. I'm the one that'll keep my word. I am the one that's going to be unapologetically scriptural because, look, let me tell you, Whatever you decided to do didn't work, all right? So I'm going to be unapologetically scriptural. I'm going to pursue after wisdom. And I'm going to do what I see scripture calls me to do. But I'm going to start doing it. I'm not going to stop doing it because that is what God has called you to, strength. But now, you see what it says. Go back to the other verse if you don't mind, brother. The previous one. Be watchful, men. You're the watchman on the wall for self, for your family, and ultimately for society. Stand firm in your position. Don't move. Get underneath Scripture and stay there. Don't wander. Act like men by doing that. On top of that, be strong. In other words, yeah, there's going to be a lot coming against you, but you don't quit you don't give up. You don't move. It says that all that you do be done in love. Let me just tell you, if you don't watch and you don't stand firm and you don't hold the faith and you, do not, and you are not strong but you are weak, you cannot love. So in other words, for you to let all that you do be done in love, you watch, you stand firm, you act like men, you be strong. And all those who love the Lord said, Amen. Amen. Father, today... I pray that you bless every man here. I pray that you bless every husband. I pray that you bless every single father, every dad. Give them the wisdom, the strength, the mercy, and the grace to be a true man. As a father, I do not represent you, Lord. My children do not learn who you are by watching me. They learn who you are by reading Scripture. 
However, they do look to me to see what it means to be a man. And Lord, may this be a truth for every man here today in Jesus' name. Amen.